Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Block party's back. Post Super Bowl. Packed on some Packer questions today. Your host, Mike Wall. Find me at Mike Wall68 on the X. Process to perform on Instagram. Check out our YouTube page, Process to Perform. You can get all the uh, on my block station or on my block channels from this past season. Check out the new block party stuff. Subscribe, like, rate, and review, please. Caffeine and kilos. Come sponsor me. Just give me some free coffee and a t shirt or two. Our show is sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs. Basketball, including pro and college hoops throughout the year with the up to minute odds, stats, and trends. You can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting contests and all your best player props pools. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And right real quick before that we start the Packers of Super Bowl, I nailed this game. Unfortunately, I was three for four, so I didn't get the big payoff. But I had the Chiefs score. I said on the show, Chiefs got to score 24 to win. They scored 25. Ended up winning 25-22 in overtime. I had Kelsey on the over. I had McCaffrey on the over for yards. And damn George Kittle, who's my favorite player in the game, did not have a stat stuffer. Contributed as he always does, but did not have a stat suffer. I tell you what, I've never seen I've never seen what happened to Dre Greenlaw happen as a and kind of as randomly as it did. And, and especially with such a absolutely vital piece of that San Francisco defense and the impact that that had on the rest of the game cannot be overstated. It was seismic. Because that dude, you know, he pairs up with with Fred Warner to be, you know, arguably the top, if not you know, the top two linebacker duels in the entire National Football League. Of course, talking about Roquan and Patrick uh, Queen over in, in Baltimore. But just totally tipped the balance of the game, especially when Andy Reid kind of figured things out with Patrick Mahomes. And how do you bet against Patrick Mahomes? I, I saw a stat today that said going into the fourth quarter overtime with one minute left to go and down like seven points. Or down, or da- needing a needing a score to tie or win. Patrick Mahomes is only the play, the only player in the history of the National Football League that is perfect in those situations. He's seven for seven. Tom Brady's not perfect. Joe Montana's not perfect. Joe Burrow's not perfect. Patrick Mahomes, excuse, Patrick Mahomes is the only player that is perfect seven for seven in those situations. So, you know, you read a stat like that and you go, anybody who'd bet against him is a fool. But. What do I know? I use I lose I usually bet with my heart and not my uh well I bet with my wallet. But I bet with my heart and not my head. This time I did because I didn't care about either game, either team. And uh the only person that uh, let me down was my favorite player, George Kittle. Moving on, Packers, big offseason, big idea. So we're gonna do a couple of just overview things today. Then I got a lot of listener questions. First and foremost, thank you so much for the guys who hit me back on X. To ask those questions, some really good stuff here. Hopefully, I have some answers that will bang around in that noodle of yours a little bit. I think the first thing we want to talk about is big decisions. And I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of them here. First thing, do you bring back Bakhtiari? And I think the first question is, does he want to be here? Does he want to go ride golf carts with Aaron Rodgers in New York? Because they've got a great defense. Um you could argue that they're in a healthy Aaron Rodgers in an offensive line away from being, you know, really, really big time Super Bowl contenders uh, in that division. I know that, that Buffalo has obviously is having success there now. I, I'm not a, I, I used to be, I was a much bigger believer in Miami pre this 2023 than I am now. Um, not that I could, I could completely be wrong on that. This is just how I feel about it. Patriots are not going to be um, contending this year. So you look at the Jets, they've got a real shot there to, to fight for that division with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. And, um, you know, what are they missing? They're missing they're missing a really quality left left tackle. They're missing some pass pro. They're going to get Vera Tucker back. Um, but Makai Becton, like Makai, Makai Becton, for people who don't know, is like six foot nine, and he fluctuates between 
360 and 400 and some odd pounds. And at 360, you're a monster. But if you start creeping up with the donuts and you're around 400, it's just you watch the Miles Miles Garrett tape versus him. And it's just almost like it's the one it's the one place where being six foot nine doesn't help when you get your play because everybody turns into Dwight Freeney against you. Like they all have leverage and they're all a little bit quicker and they all get to your hip. So he might want to do that. Now, people don't. I, I think in Green Bay, because, you know, well, Jordan Love didn't get sacked the last couple of games. People don't understand what Bakhtiari means to that offense because Jordan Love didn't get sacked. But what a premier elite left tackle, blindside protector, or just let's just pick across the line one dominant offensive lineman that you can lean on, whether you don't have to give that person help, a la, uh, a la Laramie Tunzel, or a guy that just demolishes people in the run game, a la Trent Williams. Like the difference that that makes on your offense, like cannot be measured in dollars and cents because it just opens up another facet of your playbook. And we do not have that right now. Now you've got some guys that are serviceable. You do not have that on this team. Sheed Walker, is he going to be a starting left tackle in this league? Is he a swing tackle next year? Obviously depends a lot on what they do here and and the decisions they make going forward in the draft. But I think the big thing is his cap number is 40 plus million. I think they can save 21 million on the cap if they release him or trade him. That's probably what they're going to do. Probably release earlier than trade. Who's going to want to take that cap hit. But if Bach wanted to be back, if he wanted to finish his career in Green Bay, because he understands how special that is, he could do a lot of things to restructure his contract. He could could take a huge pay cut like Aaron Jones did last year. There's a lot of things. You just don't know how dedicated he is to this group. Now that, you know, he's the older guy. Um, this is a wave of youth. Matt LaFleur is certainly not Mike McCarthy in terms of how they get down. Um, Aaron's gone. You know, I, I just I just think there's a lot of questions to ask from Bakhtiari's. In my opinion is, if he wanted to stay and he was willing to make it work, you do everything you can to, to, to resign him. I just don't think that's going to happen. Maybe the second most important thing is Aaron Jones bringing him back. He was undoubtedly the best player last year. He restructured um, last season, took a $5 million pay cut. Um, and then now he's got a $15 million cap. It, so he's got to restructure that. What haircut is he willing to take after this season? After he just proved that he's the best player on offense on the field last year without Bakhtiari. Um, and I think the big question there is Aaron Jones is the kind of guy that clearly wants to be in, in green and gold for the rest of his life, but he's so good. If his agents out there feeling around, at 29 or 30 years old, looking like he looking like he looks. Can another team come in and offer him 20 guaranteed? Like, can I give you a, a two-year, $24 million contract with 20 million guaranteed and you just walk? Is that worth it? Because I think right now he took I, I think he, he made somewhere around 10 this year. I could be wrong on that. But he's certainly not, they're not going to give him for 15. I, I wouldn't. If I was him, I wouldn't take a $5 million pay cut or like he did this year because, quite frankly, like he's he's too good. He's too valuable. Um, and I don't know what that market is, but you do have to at – some, at some part, you do have to look at like, well, Christian McCaffrey is, you know, the best running back in the league. He's, he was paid – I know his cap numbers are different now, but at one point it was looking like a $17 million a year deal. He's a pretty important player to San Francisco 49ers. Um, Pacheco – it was a pretty important player in the in the for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the running back position, Jamar Gibbs, what he did up uh, as a as a as a first round pick in in Detroit. Bijan Robinson, what he's going to turn out to be if Atlanta gets their, their stuff together. There's guys out there that you're going. This could be the way to elevate that market again, you know. And he's been relatively healthy. I know he was hurt for spells. But if you bring in another guy, and we'll talk about you know AJ, but if you bring in another guy that can can, can help shoulder load until playoff time, there's no doubt that you know the Green Bay Packers are six, seven points a game better with Aaron Jones in the you know 50 yards better rushing a game when Aaron Jones in. I mean, there's he's they're so much better with him there. So you hope they bring him back. You just it's again, I think it's more on Aaron than it is on on Green Bay. Number three, Kenny Clark has a $27 million cap hit. Cap hit. And, and the real question for me is, does he fit into a half – how do you say it? Halfleys? Say it Halfleys from now on. I'm probably saying that wrong. How do you fit into Halfleys' defense as a pass rusher? So now you're in a 4-3. So the idea being that you're going to be either the nose tackle penetrating three technique 
I would imagine they go look for a guy who's like 340 at nose tackle. There's 340 guys that can move now, or if you're going to play a two-eye and a three technique. But Kenny just looks to me like he's he's always looked this way to me, that he should be a penetrating three technique. But, you know, he you're so far down in your career. It's something you can't rush the passer, but you're not an expert at it. And, you know, the other thing is this, like potentially in the offseason. So can you adjust? And do they want to they want to bank on him adjusting? Because they can restructure it, no problem. But it is $27 million this year, and that's too much. This is the mother load of potentially a free agent. Now, most of these guys aren't going to come out, right? But you've got Chris Jones. He's not leaving Kansas City. But, you know, we're just playing the what-ifs. Justin uh, Matabuke, who's just had a monster year. And I've watched tons of tape on that guy from Baltimore. Unbelievable. Christian Wilkin, Wilkins from Miami. He's probably not leaving, but he is an absolute dog. Um, Leonard Williams is a great player. DJ Reader, he's, he was hurt a little bit last year, but DJ Reader is a is a monster player. Grover Stewart is a nose tackle for Indy, but that, I've seen that dude do some really impressive things on the field. So you're talking about three guys from, from style of defense that are at a higher level than Kenny. And then you're talking about six guys total that at, at very least are on the level. So Grover may be being the outlier there because he's a nose tackle. Fair enough. But the one thing I would I would say with Kenny, what Kenny's got going for him, if he wants to start to dictate terms here, is that you are not going to replace what Kenny Clark brings to this team on the field, in the locker room, in the meeting room. You're not going to replace that in the draft. You are not going to replace. You picked up a ton of guys in the draft recently on the defensive line and defensive end positions. You've got a young, a relatively young room. I, I don't know if they split up DNs and D tackles in that room. I don't know how that whole, all that works in that building. But he's got to be the undoubted leader in that room. And he's a performer on the field. And he's a Packers guy. And you're going to lose leadership. You're going to lose experience. You're going to lose grit and toughness. You're going to lose all that if you try to draft a guy instead of trying to replace him with a free agent. So the question would be, how many of those guys do you think are going to be out? They, if, if let's say if they just drop, if they cut him, they're screwed. They don't have, they don't have a replacement for Kenny Clark on the team. So, so the question is, I mean, and not replace. Him. So, of those top three that are all probably statistically at least better suited for a four-three defense, um, right now out the box. Are any of them leaving and could we afford them or do we want to afford them with Goody? That's the answer is probably no. And then the other three of those guys, um, I, let's just talk about Leonard and DJ. I think Leonard and DJ are both phenomenal players. I think DJ Reader is a phenomenal player. Um, but you're kind of getting the same guy as Kenny. I don't know that he's better than. And so you just start going like, you know, again, the Packers probably just have to probably have to give him three more years of an extension. He's going to get paid a little bit more. And that's the cost of doing business in the National Football League. Jordan Love is in that we you had him in that sweet spot. This is the problem with drafting and then city is you know historically you look at Mahomes or not Mahomes. Um, you look at like uh, uh, Russell Wilson in Seattle. I think they won their second year. Joe Burrow goes second year, goes to the championship. Those guys always Tom Brady, Super Bowl. The buys the staff time, which this team isn't worried about, but it allows you to stockpile and get so much kind of value out of that rookie contract. When you sit, whether you're Pat Mahomes, whether you're Jordan Love, now you get to the end of this this first contract and you got to figure out, okay, am I gonna bring the, am I gonna pay this guy this year? Next year, what's it gonna look like? He's, you know, Jordan Love's gonna ask for top five money, he's probably gonna get it because that's what the market dictates. Um, currently he's only a $12.4 million cap hit and they've got young players everywhere. So they're kind of, they're kind of built. If they do pay them on offense, if like, let's say you split the cap 50, 50 down the middle, which I know we don't do, but let's say you did, you're kind of built on offense right now to handle what it looks like to pay him a ton of money. But when you pay your quarterback, everything changes like that window that everybody talks about that's so coveted in the national football league is gone. And I think it's, you know, to be fair, it's probably gone now anyways for the green Bay Packers, as far as you're going to have to pay 
a left tackle. What happened there? That's crazy. It you you have to pay a left tackle at some point, whether it's back to or somebody else. I mean, you're going to have a high price guy come in, but they do have all the skill positions. Aaron Jones is going to make a little bit of money, but not a lot. All your skill positions are paid for for a couple of years, and so the whole tag no tag thing. You know, for me, it kind of feels like a rip the bandaid off moment and maybe get the most money you can right now out of Jordan Love as far as let you even front load this thing and just make it as cap friendly as you can when you know that you're gonna have to re-sign this group of receivers, this group of tight ends, et cetera, et cetera. You still got some work to do on defense, but you know, it's again, it's how good he wants to split the pie as far as what the salary cap looks like. I'd pay him right now, so I guess what I'm saying, long and short of it. It's only going to be more money next year. Uh, Devondre Campbell. Halfley knows uh, Isaiah McDuffie, one of my favorite guys from BC. So you kind of look at it and go, probably a good fit for his defense. Um, He's going to love Quay Walker's athleticism and what he brings to the table. I'm sure he's going to look at Quay and go, man, I can make this guy, like just from a physical standpoint, if we can get him a little bigger up top, be a little more physical in the run game. Kind of, we've seen a lot of tape now on what he's really good at and what he's not good at. If we can accentuate the good stuff and then like try to show up a little bit, go from like a, you know, a, a C minus to a B plus on some of the other stuff, this guy's going to be amazing. They're going to still predominantly run out of a 4 2 uh, defense. You're going to have two guys on the field. So Devondre, you know, he said two years of, he had the, the first team all pro year, injuries, decline in performance. Um, kind of some some commentary and this and that, that that maybe rubbed some people the wrong way. If I was Halfley, I would be looking at trying to find a big-bodied safety that can play in the box, even more so than you know having that really high-priced you know third linebacker. Anyways, in fact, another and what I'm saying is I think the way the the NFL is going, if I could get a Cam Chancellor-ish type player, an Adrian Wilson-ish type player for throwback to Arizona Cardinals, absolute unit. By the way. Cam Chancellor before it was Cam Chancellor. It was Adrian Wilson. Guy was unbelievable. Um, but if you can get somebody like that and make him part of the defense and still run your nickel and bring him down, now you got everything you want. And then the last one's Eric Stokes. So I'm, I'm saying Devondre Campbell's probably gone. And I'm saying he probably wants to go, to be fair. Last one, Eric Stokes. When are you looking on the rookie deal? He's only 3.8 uh, cap it this year for a starting you know, corner. That's not much. You know, a lot of people want to label him a bust and this and that. And that's such, I mean, that's just such BS, you know, and I know he hopefully he doesn't listen to that noise. I would say this, you drafted him for a reason. It's been up and down, but the whole secondary has been up and down. In fact, ever since Joe Barry came in, the whole defense has been up and down. So now you got somebody that is coming out of, of BC uh, out of a college program, college, usually you, you kind of equate that to development. Now, the big question with everybody when you bring in a, a college guy is, are the players going to gravitate towards that style, that development style, the way he talks? Is, and he's going to have to make some adjustments. They're going to have to make some adjustments. Are guys going to be willing to do that, understanding that they're not nearly as good as they should be? And I think, I think Eric Stokes is in that list of like, hey, if you're hungry and you want to get better, I'm sure that one of the criteria for success that this Halfley's coming in with is I've got to improve the play of specifically these players. And Eric Stokes is on that list. So I keep him and just see if we can pull the best out of him with the new defensive coordinator and his new staff. I mean, that's like, that's just like a no brainer to me. You've got him, Darnell Savage. You got a couple things going on. Um, who's going to be the first of those eight first round draft picks to leave green Bay but I, I think you keep Eric Stokes, and I think you see what you can pull out of him from this new D corner. It's, it just makes sense to me. So those are the six kind of big decisions going in that aren't free agents. Now let's talk about some of the – and I'm only going to talk about the unrestricted free agents. I might use a couple exclusive guys. Number one, Yash. He was making $4.3 million last year, which, by the way, blew my mind. I don't know why it blew my mind. It just blew my mind. So Yash Nyman's going to be an unrestricted free agent. My opinion, you let him go. You just you lost the battle to Rasheed Walker. I don't know if Rasheed's a starter, but if Rasheed's not a starter, then Yash definitely isn't. In the run game, I thought he was just not as as aggressive and powerful as he needed to be. Number two, Keyshawn Nixon. This is an interesting one. 
because he's also a slot corner. A slot corner is a starting position in the National Football League in defenses. Now, you run a 4-2, you run a nickel. Slot corner is a guy, right? Isaiah McDuffie's first team all pro from the Chiefs, okay? So he's really, though, from a value standpoint, you look at his corner numbers, and they're not very good. And you know, I consider that he had some good games and I like his aggressive. He wasn't very, he wasn't good at tackling and they completed a lot. I think quarterback rating was like 104 against him, 70% completion percentage, something like that. I might be a little off on those numbers, but I'm not a lot off. So he's really valuable as an all pro returner. But the problem is he might not, an all pro returner is going to give you $5 million a year. He might be looking at like, I'm a slot corner and an all pro returner. I want, I don't know, 8 million, 10 million, whatever that number is. He's making four right now. So the value to the team is so high at the, as, a, as a return because what's the face without him, Versace, what, like, what did we have on the special teams units? Like, what are we good at? We're good at, he's good. That's all we have. And he's a weapon and he's a difference maker. But is he going to be your starting slot corner? And are you going to try to pay him like that? That's a tough one, man, because if Keyshawn Nixon, He's such, he's the kind of guy that every coach wants on their team. And there's, there might be a place out there that says, well, wait a second now. Packers are going to give you five. We'll give you eight and we'll give you a four year deal and we're going to guarantee 20 of it. And he might just say, that's, and we, and we don't have somebody for playing slot. We like what you do. We think we can coach you up and make you better, but you're going to be our return guy. You're going to continue to be all – you're going to keep racking up all pros and see if you can have a Devin Hester-like career. He might leave because I don't know that you lock him. I just don't know how you lock him up. Like, even if – like, do you lock him up as, as – if you if you say we're locking up as a returner, he's going to go, no, I'm a slot corner because they make a lot more money. How does that work? I don't know. I put three of these guys here because they're all three unrestricted. Darnell Savage, Jonathan Owens, and then Jonathan Ford. You could lose all three of those guys. I think you probably bring back Jonathan Owens. It's hard because you have – here's the hard thing. You move to a 4-3, which is still really a 4-2. It's just the way you think about the, the ends and the personnel. And obviously, the safety rotation makes a little bit more of a difference, especially especially when you're in like a base defense. You start playing these 13 personnel, 22 personnel uh, sets that you're seeing a lot more often now. So 21 personnel bringing fullbacks in. You're going to need a physical, athletic presence at the safety position that can play at or near the line of scrimmage and solid in tackling makes plays um, on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage can rush the quarterback slot pressure, all of the sim looks that we, that you talk about, you need that. Guy. I don't think that guy's on the team. I don't think Darnell Savage is the guy I like. I think he's better or, or, uh, around the line of scrimmage than not, but I don't think he's that guy just because he's a hundred and you know, 190 pounds wet. You probably want somebody with a little bit more, maybe a little bit more of an instinctive player, but maybe a little more of an enforcer. And again, we don't know what half is going to want, but you know, I'm just going off of kind of what you see the trends in the National Football League and what 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 we feared as, or we accounted for, I should say, not feared, accounted for as as the offensive line. We didn't account for Darnell Savage's of the world. We didn't care if they were they're just they're, they're just faceless. You account for the Adrian Cams, the Adrian Wilsons, the guys that come, the Mike Minners, who was an undersized guy, but man could lay it, right? The John Lynches, the guys that are instinctive, they're they're actually purpose built to go into a position and make a play, um, and they're very consistent at their at their job. I, I just don't think we have that guy. So, I think you bring back Owens because I you think you bring him back on the cheap. Um, and I quite frankly, I think he has upside. I, I liked him in Houston. I like him here. He's not a perfect player, uh, but it, Rudy Ford's going to be you, – you, you need to replenish this DB room with something. Um, I think that's going to be a big focus of the offseason. You can do a lot of this good news, so I, and, and it looks to be like there's a plethora of activity or of action and good players in the draft coming in the DB, in the DB room. So between that and free agency, I, I'm looking at – you're not going to get a premium guy in free agency. Well, we'll talk about that later, but – you're not going to get um, 
I, I think you can get rid of these guys, at least two of them, and, and feel like you can replenish that room is my point. A.J. Dillon and Patrick Taylor, who's an exclusive rights guy. You probably keep Patrick. I think A.J.'s seen his days here. Uh, I think this is the last you've seen of him. I like A.J. Um, I, I just think the consistency for A.J., for whatever reason, just hasn't been what he's probably satisfied with. And sometimes you need a fresh start in a new, in a new building. Um, some of the stuff that they're running for Aaron just doesn't work with AJ. The line doesn't, it seems like the line doesn't block what he's good at or vice versa. But the the difference in the even not the numbers, but just the way that the offense feels when he's in versus versus Aaron is so dramatic that I think you got to go find somebody. And we had Amon, we had Najee and Tony. And those guys had similar numbers per carry. And it was because they could all kind of run the same stuff. Now, Tony was better at the screen game maybe than Najee. Najee was better at the setter game than maybe Tony. You know, Amon's good at everything. But my point is that you could you had stuff that those guys were good at, but they could all fit within the system you were running. I don't feel like Aaron and AJ coexist at the way you want to just from a production standpoint. And, and Aaron's a top priority. Excuse me, top priority. Uh, so Josiah DeGuar and Tyler Davis. I think you jettison both of them. I don't, you just pick up another guy in the draft. You got young guys in there already. I don't think any, either of these guys. DeGuar is interesting because he could be a fullback. I just Me, I just go get a real fullback. I would love to have this team have a real fullback. You can put him on special teams. He's going to play 20 snaps a game, and he completely changes the way you play because you go watch Juszczyk block somebody on the split flow, lead block. Watch Juszczyk. Watch everybody else on their team, against, and including Kittle at sometimes. Use checks always up, forehead in the chest, doing everything right, difference maker on lead blocking. Okay, so that's the kind of guy I think you want to go grab instead of one of these two guys who's trying to a makeshift guy. You're trying to make something that they're not. Not that that's a bad thing. That, that's a, that, nothing to be bad to be said about them. I just think if you're going to keep a third guy, keep him as a real fullback. John Runyon, this is tough. Can John, The question is, can John go and start on another team? Because they're going to give that first crack this year at Sean Ryan. That's what it's going to be. He's going to be the starting right guard going into training camp as of right now, unless they draft somebody else, which is a topic for later in the in the discussion. If I'm John, I'm probably trying to go look for something else. I think that last year with Sean coming up and splitting time and gaining more reps, I think the writing's on the wall. Um, I don't know if the Packers make a big push to sign him. They'll probably throw him a low ball offer. If John can go get money somewhere else, I, even if it's a million dollars different, I think you just go take it and you try to reinvent yourself somewhere else in a, in a scheme that maybe fits your style a little bit better. Um, John's a very cerebral player, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about John a little bit later, but I, I think that I think that the opportunities that lie outside of Wisconsin are probably better than ones that lie inside Lambo uh, 1265 Lombardi right now for John Rennie. And then Bo Melton, he's a exclusive RFA. He's a no-brainer. That guy was so good last year, man. Like, the possibilities are endless with that wide receiver room. Number three, what are the biggest areas of opportunity as I see them? I'm thinking drafted free agency, offseason moves. Number one, safety. You might lose Owens and Savage. You might lose Nixon. I'm going to expand this to, like, high-level defensive back. So not safety, high-level defensive back. Because really, right now, you look at it, you go, we got Alexander. High level, okay? You could bring in, via draft, what if we would have drafted Brian Branch? What if they would have drafted Minka a couple years ago when all these guys were coming through the draft, when Miami picked him up out of Alabama? One of the best athletes I've ever seen. Those are do-it-all types. They can play slot. They can play... They can play free. They can play strong. They can play at the line of scrimmage. They can press. They can do everything. And there's a lot. Witherspoon out of Seattle, the cornerback, plays first year. is unbelievable. The year before, their other cornerback plays unbelievable first year. You can do it in the draft. I expect Athlete to pressure more. You need a guy who's just great around the football. Like, what's the prerequisite for success at that position? Just be really good around the football. Have a nose for it. Right? Some of these guys are more instinctive than others. Go find what you would just call an instinctive football player that can play at the next level and go draft that guy. I don't, again, I said this before, I don't think that guy's currently on the roster. 
Number two, might be a surprise to some of you because I don't pay attention to this a lot. Number two is kicker, man. Anders Carlson, 81.8%, 29th in the league, including between 40, 40 yards and 49 yards. He's four for eight and 50 plus yards. He's three for five. He missed five extra points. Now, good news. Bayern Munich star striker Harry Kane. Turns out he's looking to do some extra work in the offseason. He wants to be an NFL kicker soon. Now, I don't know if he's close to retirement or not, but I'd call up old Harry out in Germany and say, put down the sausage. We got bratwurst here. Why don't you come try out for the Green Bay Packers? Number three, offensive line. And I do think this could be your first-round pick. I think left tackle could be your first-round pick. There's a lot of good left tackles in this draft. I haven't done a, pro a profile on them yet, but I will. If back chooses to move, if we choose to get part ways, however that looks, amicable, whatever, you need a absolute unit on this team. And I'm talking about mentally, from a, from a physically dominant standpoint, you need a tone setter in this team. You can get that with a first-round tackle. There's just a number of them. You need competition at the right guard and center positions, whether you keep running or not. Or, you know, Sean Ryan needs competition, needs to be pushed. And it's time now to bring in a really high-level center to at least compete. I'm talking about second, third, fourth-round pick to compete at the center position for that starting spot. I think you're only really set at left guard, obviously, with, with EJ, who's only – I. I think his best years are way ahead of him. I think three, I think two, three years from now, he'll be top, top guy. And then I say the same thing about Zach Tom at right tackle. So you got two guys you're set with. See what happens with Bach. Obviously, I think he's gone, but you got to build that line a little bit stronger. You can keep masking things in the offensive line with these new schemes, but when it comes down to it, you saw it with San Francisco, man. McKivitt's got his absolute ass handed to him in that game. Run and pass. They were on their backup guard. Their backup's backup at guard, so fair enough. But those guys, the right side of the offensive line, if you wanted to point to anybody in San Francisco who blew it, it's not that they – I shouldn't say that. They were just outplayed by better players. And it came down to the biggest game of their lives, and they were just outplayed by better players. So you got to get guys up front that can do it. Number four, running back. So Patrick Hare might be back on the cheap, but really when I look at this, you look at Detroit – you look at some of these guys with A and B. Oh, high level running back in like round two or three really adds to this offense. You can get a guy that's you can either get a guy that's um, and we thought we had this with with AJ, but you can get a guy that's maybe a slightly bigger guy. So I always think about like Amon and Najee, where Najee is like 240, 245, but he's still a track guy, right? He's still a downhill fast, 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 right? So he might not be as good in the passing game, for example, but you can insert, you can plug and play with any running that you have on, on the docket because what you want to do is keep Aaron Jones's snap count at a, at a relatively you know, stable level throughout the, the year until you ramp up in December and January. He's a, he's a really a playoff guy now for us if you think this guy's going to make the uh, – you think this team's going to make the run. As we saw in the Super Bowl, I said it before, high-level running backs are still a premium in this league, at least in the locker room, right? That's how they view them. And then the last one is, is linebacker. And I, and I think if they drafted a high one, it's probably a referendum on where they think we think Way Walker is. I, I don't think they'll draft in a high one. But I would say this. If there's an absolute stud out there early, you probably have to look at him. And I would treat this position going into a new defensive coordinator uh, as the premium position on defense. As the absolute, you look at the best defenses of the league, linebacker might be the best spot they have. And you, you need your play caller and the kind of like the pulse of the defense guy to be at that linebacker position. Or if not, you've got to have one. I mean, who's that guy for the Packers currently? Like my votes are Preston Smith, right? Who's a, who's like, you would just say, man, what a solid, good player he is. You wouldn't say what a Hall of Fame caliber player he is. What an all pro he is. You'd see, but he's a guy, he's a he's a leader, pulse of the defense, plays hard, does everything right. The second guy is Isaiah McDuffie. When they let him play, downhill, aggressive, sets the tone. Like you need as many of those guys as you can. Now, if you can get one that's an elite level athlete, the linebacker position, that's something. Again, it's down number five on my priority list because quite frankly, I think Quay can turn it at the guy. Again, the coaching change here. I'm going to 
overemphasize how important I think that is. Okay, switching. I got a lot of listener questions. I'm going to get through as many as I can in the next 26-ish minutes. I don't like to go to these shows longer an hour. Number one, what is John Runyon's value to the Green Bay Packers or anybody? Well, John Runyon is a multi-year starter in the National Football League. Uh, um, what John Runyon hasn't had is that moment that every really good player has where they're just dominating over the course of like three, four, five games. Dominating physically, not making any, not making a ton of mistakes, just techniques great, really allowing yourself to channel your aggression through disciplined action. You just haven't seen that with him on a consistent basis. And so while he's really a cerebral guy, you talk to him, he really understands the game. You want him to just like, hey, man, I want you to get so good with your technique you can just get your hands dirty every game, like I, street fight every game. That's what this team needs. Now, some other team might not need that, but this team needs that guy. So I don't know how what the value is for him here because I don't know if he adds that stuff particularly to this football team. <laughs> I have a good question. With the defensive needs that this team uh, this team is is currently staring at, do you uh, do you try to supplement everything through the free agency period or through the draft? And I would just say I'd be happy to draft a high level DB or high level linebacker because I think either can play right away. And you've seen it all across the National Football League right now. The only place I talked about it before is that you wouldn't want to do that as a defensive tackle position. I want to go defensive tackle as a free agent if you're going to bring in a vet because they're a proven commodity and you need a pass rusher. You need a, a premium pass rusher at the defensive tackle position right now. Now, we saw 94 Carl uh, Brown last, last year as a rookie show that he's got a little bit to him. Is he the starting caliber every down guy? I don't think so yet. But what you're looking for is a guy, you know, ideally – you bring in, you know, perfect world. You bring in one of those top three I talked about that can rush the passer as well as anybody in the National Football League at the defensive tackle position is disruptive in the run game. If you can get somebody like that, huge, huge win. Um, if not, you just are kind of, again, going through, a, is this position important enough to us to do more than just bring in like a former fifth rounder, a former fourth rounder, a guy who's on a two-year deal? Like, is there is it an important enough position in the new Halfley defense to be like, we're going to make a splash higher right now. Or we're going to bring in a big-time guy like he did with Zedarius a couple of years ago. Uh, what are my thoughts on the upcoming linemen? I think we're talking about offensive linemen. So I'll do a deep dive into it with a couple of guys, uh, kind of pre-draft this offseason. But here's just basically how I think about things. I'm really big on my – like when I work with guys, what we're trying to do is we're trying to master your technique because I want – that allows you to demonstrate – to use your personality, to demonstrate who you want to be. Do you want to be a physical, aggressive guy? You know, it allows you to play a consistently uh, physical game because it means that you're okay at this level. The National Football League against grown men with mortgages and marriages, you're okay putting some dude's face in the dirt, tell him about it, and, like, I'm ready for the consequences. So that's the one thing people don't get. Like, when I put somebody over the pile and I'm letting him know that I put him over the pile, He's coming to kill me next play. And you got to be okay with that. And so I want the kind of guy that is so confident in what he does that he's okay just putting guys on piles over and over and over and can deal with those consequences. So above everything else, I want that mindset and that attitude. And you can develop that over time. That doesn't necessarily come easy to everybody. But it's I think it's mission critical, particularly for this team and where this offensive line's at that they find people like that, as many as you can. Sean Ryan, some people think that Sean Ryan might be that guy. We'll see. I don't know, but we'll see. If I could pick one position for a top-end free agent vet to step in, on-field and locker room impact, who would it be and why? Okay, this is fantasy land, right? So Chris Jones isn't leaving Kansas City. We can talk about Chris Jones. Christian Wilkins is not Okay, but if you could leave, if I can clear cap space for anybody and I can pick up anybody who's a free agent on the list right now, this is actually perfect world stuff for me. This is easy. I would back the truck up and go pick up Antoine Woodfield Jr. Easy. It's like no-brainer for me. Number one need for us, safety. This guy is a pure playmaker, championship pedigree, 25 years old, nowhere near his prime. He would run the room. 
He's been in that Todd Bowles defense. He can play at every level. He can play behind line of scrimmage. He can blitz. He can do everything you want. Ball hawk. Monster upgrade for the Packers. Monster up in every way. You get better at every level. You get better in on the field, in the training room, in the meeting room, in the locker room. He can play every single level. He can, You can blitz him. He can play behind line of scrimmage. You can bring him down in the box. He's physical. Everything you want, you get from that guy. I would love to see that guy wearing green and gold. Uh, how do you prevent a regression uh, like the Jags experienced for the Packers last year? So the Jags coming off that big win in the playoffs, so they come back from like 28, not some ridiculous number, get to the second round, blah, blah, blah. It looks like everything's going to go well, and then they kind of have this downgrade year. Part of that's because CJ gets drafted by Houston. All of a sudden, they look pretty good. And really, uh, Indianapolis, I think Shane Steich and Shane O'Mac has done a great job with, with that team. They're, you know, a bad third down or fourth down play on the, the little swinger out to the running back with uh, Gardner Minshew. They're one play away from going to the playoffs as well. So I think that division got better. But here's what I'd say. Uh, no magic dust here. Reality is the Lions are going to be better next year. The Vikings are going to be better next year. The Bears are going to be better next year. So it's like the Packers are the Packers are in no position, despite having success at in, in the playoffs, despite shocking everybody with the Cowboys game, despite playing well against the Niners, they have no like tread to just sit back on their laurels because their whole division is going to get better. And they didn't win their division last year, and they're still looking up at, at, at Detroit. So I don't know that there's this feeling that they've they've arrived by any any means. None of these they had no all pros. Uh, that I think, the, or excuse me, they had Keyshawn, but on offense, they have that kind of nobody that's commanding any kind of like really old nationwide respect. Um, my key to this stuff generally is you have to provide extremely high expectations at the individual level for the guys in your locker room, and then you have to provide a framework and a path for them to get there, and then give them enough leeway to figure out figure a lot of the stuff out themselves, so they can take ownership of their of their own stuff, right? What we try to do sometimes is just cookie cutter. Here's a workout. Take it. Go to the offseason. You know, we want you to maintain, maybe get a little bit stronger. They don't set high expectations. Like the bar is so low, right? A lot of coaches don't care about the weight room, all that stuff. So um, if you want them to be better, set higher expectations, demand more out of them, show them a path to success. Do players get off-season workouts? Oh, well, there you go. Do players get off-season workouts sent home with them? Well, they do. The answer, short answer is yes. The longer answer is they just fired one of the best in the business, as Chris Gizzy. I don't know the, how much the rest of the group is going to stick around. Uh, Mark Lavat has been there for since I was there, so 1998 at least. And he's one of the best in the. I mean, he's one of the smartest guys. These, both those guys are kind of thought leaders. Like when the when the coaches, strength coaches, get together, those are the guys that are doing a lot of talking. Let's put it that way. So they're losing that, at least at the, at the head position. My guess is that Matt Lafleur is not one of these guys that is really interested in the weight room. Like I don't, I don't look at Matt and and think there's a guy who's got a powerlifting background or like a or like a Olympic lifting background or a background with a lot of experience at SNC. I'm sure he's went through workouts before. He probably has watched a couple of CrossFit games. Um, but just like the science behind, like how do we get the, how do we develop these guys physically and get them better? I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's the priority in a lot of offseason programs anymore because, you know, quite frankly, you're always catering to so many different personalities and and what these young men think they think they need on on an individual basis. So regardless in my experience and i've been in multiple buildings on both sides of the football regardless of how good your strength staff is the best places for athletes to develop in the offseason are usually not in the building because you can you can go find people that will cater specifically to what you need whether it's you know speed work whether it's uh, technical work whether it's strength conditioning whether it's headspace whether it's recovery you're going to find kind of best practice somewhere else because that best practice is going to tailor directly to you and not to your, you know, the linebacker room or the defense or the entire team. It just, you know, sometimes the best you can get with like an NFL offseason program is bigs, mids, uh, DBs or, you know, smalls. So the small workout for smaller guys, 
the medium workout for medium guys and the big workout for big guys. Like that is such a generalization that doesn't help. You know, remember these guys are making ten, tens of millions of dollars a year now. That generalization doesn't help the top level guys. It just doesn't. So that's why they usually go find something on their own. Would you rather have technical masters on the offensive line or great unrefined athletes? This is a great. This is a great question, and I'll kind of try to give the best answer I can. When you're a when you're a master technician in anything, whether it's woodworking, whether it's a quarterback play with footwork, whether it's linebacker, whether it's offensive line, none of these things that you're doing are natural. Now, you may look natural, but the hours that it took, the years that it took to perfect your craft. And some guys, things come easier to others, you know, some people than others. But I'm just telling you as fans, when you get to the elite level, and you're talking about you know, the difference is, is percentage points between you know, bench, starter, uh, you know, all pro Hall of Fame. It's like just little percentage points. The amount of work you put in, it's like the point of diminishing returns that everybody else looks at. Guys, you know, those elite guys, we all look at it like, oh, that's my chance to get a little bit better than the guy, you know, who's just a second team player, first team player, not a, not a star. And so when you're a technician coming in, it tells me so much already about your professionalism, your attention to detail, your resiliency, your dedication, your focus. I, I know so much information about you already. If you're just with this unmolded, well, first of all, nobody's unmolded at 21 or 22 years old. Personality-wise, you kind of are what you are. So if you're a lazy piece of, you know what, at 22, one of the biggest jokes I ever heard was this this, uh, this higher up in Miami told me that these guys are unmolded clay and it's our job to mold them. And I just went, they're 22, 23 years old, 21 years old. Personality-wise, they are who they are. If you're a lazy piece of shit at at 22, I'm not gonna. It's it's gonna be really hard for us to think that we're gonna. They're gonna come into our building, and we're gonna give them all these great habits that that haven't been cultivated. It's not impossible, but you're talking about percentage wise, it's pretty low, and you can do everything right, and they still but this might not be in them because not every one of these guys is playing because they love it. They're playing because they're good at it, and so when you get an unrefined athlete that is, you go, man, he just jumps off the charts and the combine stuff, but he has poor technique. He forgets a lot of plays. He just is sometimes just plays overly aggressive because he's trying to hide stuff. I kind of look at it like arrogantly. I think I can fix it. I can, I can arrogantly think I can make an impact in that guy's life. But if you're asking me who I'd prefer, I'd prefer the master technician because I already I, I know that we can tweak that guy because I know he's going to do everything possible to to become the best version of himself. He's going to try to find a ceiling because it's like that. Uh, who's the hockey coach? Herb Brooks. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. How many new players come along with the defensive shift to 4-3? Interesting question. Linebacker death probably is the most obvious one to people. As far as you, you, you need definitely two. You you need to think about things in terms of two high price starters, one guy that's going to be in because there's so much you know 13, 12, 21 personnel going, 22 personnel going out there now. How are you going to match that? You know, we just talked about is it going to be a big safety or is it going to be a, a is it going to be a third a linebacker? How do you want to play that? Do you play the safety room have three three starting caliber safeties? One can play in the box. Do you have three linebackers starting caliber linebackers? Where do you where do you save money? Where, how do you build that that part of your your defense? Um, I think there's a premium on interior pass rush because you're a more penetrating team now. Now, the thing that is hard sometimes when you look at these three four teams going to the four three or the four two and the nickel looks is that those guys are built to do one thing, then they have to come in and do another. And so you've got a jack of all trades, master of none. I think in this defense, you can look at it like if you want space eaters, you can get space eaters. Fair enough. But if you want premium pass rushers, which I would imagine they do, then you can go find some guys that are a little bit better rushing the pass on a consistent basis. 
and I and I think when you look at the secondary, you have to think about are we going to play? You know, do you want do you want to cover two corners? Do you want man corners? Like what kind of defense are you going to play? A lot of are you going to play uh, a lot of cover one, and you're going to try to bring extra because you play a lot of cover one. You want man guys. If you're going to run on a zone blitz, you, you know, there's that kind of stuff. Do you want guys that are going to go around the line of scrimmage to the cornerback position? Do you want bigger guys that can tackle? You know, there's not a lot of Richard Sherman's that can cover the guy and and tackle at the line of scrimmage. So there's just not a lot of those guys that exist out there. So you got to, you might have to, you know, pick and choose. Hopefully you can find one that can do both. What is the reasoning behind Green Bay not drafting O linemen over 320 pounds or shorter guys? Everybody's got a profile that they want to look at. So it's an easy way to really, it's an easy way to cut the herd, I think is, is the best way to think about it. You know, Goody's got a, a system that he wants to cut the herd with. So I don't want, I don't want overly heavy guys because he equates that with being non athletic, I'm assuming. And then I want certain height guys. Maybe it's because of arm reach. I don't know. Um, they obviously take a lot of tackles trying to move them to guard because tackles a, a more athletic position. Uh, historically, your better athletes are going to be a tackle at the at the college level. They might not translate there, but they they are at the college level. Um, what else can I say about you know the reason? Well, and they've always kind of run certain systems here that make sense to have guys that are on the move, the pin and pull stuff. You A lot of the outside zone stuff, you go back to Alex Gibbs in Denver who was running sideways. You know, a lot of it, and that doesn't really exist as much anymore, but the concept of just being able to run on your track, you want a little bit faster guy sometimes. Um, I think personally, you're just trying to draft athletes. I played at 295, Chad played at 325. Like we can both get around, right? Just that you have different strengths and weaknesses, but I don't know that... Um, I don't know if 295 me was any worse at man blocking than a 315 pound guard. And quite, you know, uh, conversely, I don't know that I was better at zone blocking than he was. Right. So you just have to find athletes that are, that are just super aggressive in what they want to do. And, and again, mastering technique is so important in the offensive line position. How does a typical player spend his off season? Well, there's a bunch of different, that's a bunch of different ways to answer that question. And it's changed for sure. So real, I, somebody asked me what I did. So I'll just tell you last game was usually a playoff game. We lost the game. We have a meeting on Monday. I packed my car, put my three dogs, my wife, uh, um, three dogs in the back, wife in the passenger seat, pack up the car with all our clothes, drive out Monday night, start driving Monday night after the meeting, drive through the night, the next day to Vegas or to San Diego, depending on where we're going to spend our off season. Get there on Tuesday. Take that day off. Start, go back to the gym at the same in Vegas. I go down to UNLV, meet with Mark Philippi, world's strongest man competitors, strength coach. Sit down, say hi, have a coffee, start working out. Start training immediately. Train through the off season, train, train six days a week. Go out on the weekends, have a good time. Definitely having more fun February, March, April than I was maybe, you know, towards closer towards the uh Towards the, the start of the season, right? You start buckling down about, you know, July 4th, beginning of July. Guys try to take a trip. Maybe some guys try to take right, a trip right after the season. I got a couple of athletes that I work with now that are on vacation right now. Um, obviously, that's, it's different now with OTAs. So guys will go home, get away, take a vacation. A lot of guys try to sneak out, maybe get out for a month, two weeks, maybe, maybe five weeks and not go into the gym, not, not try to think about football. I personally think whatever's good for you works. If you need that time mentally, if you feel like you need that time physically, I just, this is what I love to do. Like I like, I like working out as much as I like playing. So being in the gym for me was therapeutic, but it's not the case for everybody. And, you know, however you get ready is the way you need to get ready for your headspace. So I think a lot of guys take a lot more time than I did. Um, but then I'd say about, mid-March guys are grinding pretty hard. You see everybody in the national football league is working pretty hard trying to get bigger, faster, stronger. And then now, unfortunately, they have to go back and they're whatever they were doing, they've got to stop that. They got to go to OTAs and they got to go sit in meetings for a couple hours and they got to go, they got to go train with the in the big, middle, or small group in the weight room. And I don't know how positive that is, quite frankly. I've talked about this at length. You know, it's not quite long enough for the position coaches to get work in, but it's also too long where you're there for a couple hours a day and it doesn't feel like you're never excited about actually getting back there when like when the season actually rolls around. So they have to go through that period. And I think around June, after the mini camps finish up, guys are going to take, if they have a place to go, if they're going to go camping, fishing, if they're going to go overseas, they're going to try to take a trip 
uh, meet up with family, kind of get time, get value time with your, with your friends and family. Cause once that season starts, you know, it's, it's full go seven days a week, basically. So a lot of guys have side projects. A lot of guys have, you know, camera crews following them around. Um, they're trying to invest in different businesses. And, you know, for me, I think that's all good. I think the best way to do that now is to have a business manager, have a, somebody that's a close confidant of you, have a team that you've built up, whether, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to be part of a couple of teams where I, I act as kind of the skill development technical guy, the, f- the football side of operations as far as like, um, you know, scouting reports and, 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 uh, you know, weekly activity, particularly during the season, doing a couple in, you know, in-person things during the off season. But these guys are really smart. They have business managers. They have guys, if they're interested in, in different aspects of their life, if they're interested in, in cars, music, fashion, whatever it is, they'll find somebody to help them with that outlet. So they don't have to take too much on their plate, somebody that they trust. And it's not usually about money. It's about being educated, right? That's the thing that, I think this generation is doing a really good job with. They're not throwing money at things like maybe guys my generation would. They're trying to educate themselves as much as they can before they do anything. I think that's just a, a, a fundamental change and shift, but it does occupy a lot of their time. Remember, even if I work out hard, man, I'm only there for five hours. You know, if I go twice a day, it's probably only for five hours total. So there's still, I don't know, eight hours of uptime. You still got to find something to do with the rest of your day. However you want to spend that, you know, whether you want to spend it with family, you read books, you want to be an author, you want to make a movie, whatever it is. You know, that's kind of up to you as long as it doesn't interfere with your main job, which is making millions of dollars for being the best version of yourself possible on Sundays during the, during the fall and winter. Uh, Thoughts on Sean Ryan and talk about zone. Okay. Thoughts on Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan is going to probably walk into camp, as I said, unless they draft somebody as the the number one guy at right guard. Um, I think he certainly showed enough. He's got a bit more physical presence. He's a bigger body. Uh, It looks like he played left tackle at UCLA. It looks like he he is he is ready to take that next step and try to his hand at being a full time starter for the Green Bay Packers. I don't think either of those guys showed me enough to say one of them was definitively better than the other. But this is very easy. One of them is an unrestricted free agent. One of them is under rookie contract. I'm going to take the rookie contract every time because the other guys had time to show me and he didn't. So they brought in a guy. They had competition. It ended up being even. You always go with the younger guy with more upside when it's even. He's got a bigger body. Um, he's not maybe as good technically or as with his footwork, but he can get there. He seems to be comfortable being aggressive at the guard position. So I just think there's a lot of upside to him. Really, really needs to be refined technically. I think if he does that, he can kind of transfer some of that energy and aggression in a little more precise manner. You're going to get a lot, uh, a lot better return. Again, you have to bring in competition for that guy regardless say that it's important that he he goes into camp not feeling like he's made it talk about the zone block here's the thing about all these scheme are you a zone pin pull gap listen good teams can do everything okay they can man block they can double they can pull they can run gap they can pin and pull they can run the toss crack the toss crack stuff pin and pull toss crack they can run inside zone which is just double double teams you can run outside zone or you know, the split flow stuff, a medium zone. It's it was always made such a big deal because Gibbs was Alex Gibbs was so different than everybody else. But nowadays, man, if, if you want to be good, you got to be able to attack different you know leverage points on the defense, and and that takes the that requires that you at least do two of those things. Like the Chiefs, the Chiefs run zone and gap. That's what they do. They run zone and gap. They run different versions of zone and gap. It always ends up being the same. They like running gap to the right and zone to the left. I'm oversimplifying that. It's not always the case. But if you watch the entirety of their games, that's what they do really, really well. Right? So you got to be able to do everything uh, at a high level. And some of that is dependent, obviously, on your, your tackle's ability to pull out on the, on the, on the toss crack stuff. Those are usually the best athletes on the line, though, so it shouldn't be a problem. Last one, drafting best available versus need. What are the rules? Here are the rules for me. You drink your draft board as, as literally best available. Then you prioritize by safety, like we need a safety, we need a linebacker, and you put those on a separate sheet. If these guys are available, please go get them first. That's how I look at it. Like if the number one player is a quarterback and you have Jordan Love, I'm not going to go get him because I think Jordan Love could be, you know, the next you know great quarterback for the for the Green Bay Packers. But if you know the DB from one of those, the DB from Iowa, is he if he's your Number two guy in the in the in the uh, draft, and you think you see that as an area of need, or one of the one of the guys from um, 
Alabama, go get them. Even if they're like number 10, if they're number 10 on the, on the best available, but they're number one on your needs, man, and all 10 are still available, you still go get the number one guy that you need. So that's how I would do that. Great questions, guys. Thanks for doing that. Uh, thanks for sending those in. If you if you want to ask any more, just hit me up, Mike Wall 68 on X, Prostitute Perform Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this on, on the Prostitute Perform channel on YouTube. And until next time, I think we're going to do a couple, uh, maybe player profiles here coming up. Some Green Bay stuff. Somebody asked me to, uh, real quick, somebody asked me to kind of break down blocking uh maybe so the common fan can understand a little bit better. So I'm going to try to do that next week. I'll do stuff just strictly off this tape from last year and just kind of what works, what doesn't and why. So until then we shall see you next time. Oh, thank you so much to bet online. Our sponsor always forget. Never should. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.